Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Hi, how are you doing today, Gabrielle? I am doing so much better than the other day. <laughs> Thank you so much. I had a, for your listeners, I had a, my back went into spasm, but I'm feeling good and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. I guess to start off with, do you want to tell the audience what, what you do? Well, I am an energy coach and I haven't always been that. I worked in a corporate career in organizational psychology for 27 years. Uh, But in the last few years, I have come to understand and really integrate that energy is where it's at. And so the best way to help my clients move through periods of transition, move through difficulty, whatever it is they're facing, is to help them change their energetic state. And from there, they can, you know, make different decisions and um, problem solve in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm an energy coach helping people to master their energy. Yeah. And how did you get started doing this? I got started through a podcast. (laughs) It was a random podcast and it was a really random experience. I woke up one morning, it was 2020, August 2020, Sunday morning. And I had that just that familiar feeling of dread in my stomach, you know, the pit of my stomach. And I was really unhappy at the time. I was in a uh, very stressful corporate job, senior leader, hated my job. I can say that now. And I was actually coming to the end of my tether when it came to being able to work in corporate. I wasn't finding the joy anymore, whereas I'd loved it for many, many years. And so I took myself off uh, for a walk and I listened to a podcast. And in that podcast, the woman who was being interviewed, her story just kind of merged into mine. There's no other way to put it. I realized that she was talking about not being able to enjoy the moment, um, had so much great stuff going on in her life at the time, but always feeling like if she relaxed, the other shoe would fall. And when she said that, it was like something went off in my, my mind and I really felt that I had to do something differently, that I couldn't live with this constant sense of anxiety and that there was more to life than worry. And um, what made you like, what really attracted you to like energy work as opposed to like, I mean, there's so many different paths people take, you know? Yes. Yes. It's a great question. So what happened was, okay, I resigned from my job the next day, but then I started trying to use all the familiar Uh, tools and techniques that I'd stacked up over time through my 27 years working in psychology and they didn't work anymore Mm. and it was the weirdest experience because usually I could get through tough moments and you know by pulling out a tool from my toolkit nothing worked and so I was forced into um, thinking what's next like what do I, I got to I got to find a different answer and you know what happens sometimes you don't even have to say it out loud you can even think it 
the cookies on and the algorithms on Instagram hear us. I, I got this, um, I was kind of pondering this and I got an advert popped up, an Instagram advert. And in it was this guy that was talking about the importance of energy and how energy blocks stop us from moving forward in our lives. And I thought, oh, there's something to it. He's offering a three-day, you know, session, you know, those free uh, weekend workshops. Mm -hmm. And I went to it and I realized that this was the missing piece. And then I signed up to become an energy practitioner. And when I did that, I saw the magic happen. Hmm. What, like, what are like the tools of like an energy practitioner? Like, um, for people that don't know, cause I'm, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't know what that really means. Yes. So the way that I've defined it in my methodology is that there are five aspects to being able to master your energy. You have to be able to understand your energy. So um, as you know, being able to tune in and having a high level consciousness regarding not just your energy levels in a moment, but also your blocks and your patterns and how to get out of them. So energy awareness and understanding is there are, you know, that's the one aspect to it. The other aspect is, you know, once you know what's happening energetically, what kind of an energetic state you're in, then there are things you can do to protect your energy. And this is where you've got to look at the things in your environment that are bringing you down, that are contaminating your energy. And so this is, you know, like energy hygiene, one-on-one, -on -one. how do you protect and shield your energy? The next third element to mastering your energy is how to clear energy blocks. Okay, now this is where the real work starts because we've got these invisible energy blocks that reside in us and they accumulate over time. And they this kind of they're either the engine in the car or they the brakes in the car. And so what I teach people and what I do with people is to uh, release and remove their energy blocks. The fourth element of it is how to maintain your energy. So once you've cleared your blocks, how do you, and we always, you know, our energy dips from time to time. We're not always in a high state. How do you interrupt those dips? Because you don't want to get into a downward spiral. It's quite difficult to come back from that. And then the fifth element of it is how do you optimize your energy? How do you expand your energy? so that you can house a higher frequency um, and, and that's really great for manifestation. So it's those five elements that I teach people in my coaching. Hmm. And do you work through, like for everyone you work with, you do you work through all of those, those elements? Uh, it's a methodology. It's like, it's what I call a blueprint. So yes, I typically do work through each of those elements and to a degree, it's quite sequential. Like the first step is always self-awareness. It's always understanding. Um, then I think it's useful to look at the things you can eliminate in your environment. Like if you go to a doctor, they don't send you for surgery first. You They kind of try and eliminate, you know, other causes of what's happening in your life. It's a little bit, that's what the protection is. And then I always do the clearing, maintaining, and the optimization. Yeah. So I typically do go through each of those. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
are there like any tools that you know just can help someone you know in their day day to day lives yes yes i mean there are complex tools which i can't teach here which i yeah. teach in an ongoing process <laughs> um but there are some very very simple tools you don't have to be an energy master in order to master your energy and in my experience mastering your energy is a lot easier than what we have been led to believe so there are different things you can do um you know at the simplest level simplest level um you know if we start with understanding because that's where we usually start we always start you there are tools that can help you practice what we call energetic mindfulness so um you know stepping into your sitting down and you know uh carving out a couple of minutes in your day and tuning in and simply asking, you know, what does my energy feel like? Is it fun or serious? Is it heavy or light? That is such a simple tool, power of questioning. Um, it really helps you go within and get a sense of where you stack up in any given moment energetically. So that would be an example of a very, very a simple tool to understand your energy when it comes to protecting you know there are simple things that we can do and for some of us they're more difficult but you know setting boundaries is a really important way of shielding your energy and so um you, the little things that we can do like choosing our company wisely and minimizing contact with individuals who drain your energy or who create negativity. So these are simple things that we can all do. But of course, there are more advanced energy techniques that go deeper and faster. Yeah, for sure. Um, how did energy healing improve your, your life in particular? Well, in my particular life, um, it I was for decades ever since I was nine years old which is when my father passed away I lived with intense anxiety and grief the kind of two sides of the same coin and all of that of course colored how I showed up the kinds of relationships I had and also um, got me into some pretty self-sabotaging behaviors and even though I didn't feel depressed I felt almost continuous anxiety and so um, energy healing, when I actually was able to go in that third step, which is clearing and release the root of that energetic block. And it took about three weeks. I sat for three weeks, I remember, uh, twice. One dealing specifically with anxiety and one dealing specifically with grief and anger. And when you sit for a period of time, you immerse yourself in the pain, you let the frequency kind of leave you, you grapple, um, you kind of, but you do all of that from a state of loving awareness. Then once the immersion is everything, once you pop out of that, you then are a, like, I felt better. I felt, and I haven't gone back to that level of anxiety again, have moments of anxiety, um, I start to feel it coming up. I know where it is, and then I can interrupt it really quickly. So I'm no longer living in a state of anxiety. I feel anxiety from time to time, and I feel anxiety appropriately. So, and the same for grief. But for me, it was 
kind of setting aside a period of time, in my case, three to four weeks, and really working it. And, and so, yeah, I live with appropriate levels of anxiety and reasonable levels of grief. And it's made life so much easier. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes, and um, because this is a because this is a podcast on you know fun is fundamental. Of course, it's only unleash the inner child, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's the thing. So many people have um, just. I mean, obviously, we all have different or different you know battles that we ha- we are dealing with, but so many people are dealing with something that is, I feel like, keeping them from having you know, the lives that they want and and having, you know, just light, you know, this light joy, you know, and fun and being able to let go, you know, it's like so many people want to control so many things that they can't even just let go to have fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, And I know that so well. I mean, as you're talking, I remember an experience, a moment in my life. It was probably three decades ago. And I was on a trip to America, used to work for a big consultancy, and I had a workshop in America, and we always, from Australia, we always flew either via LA or San Fran and then onto Chicago. Uh, And on my way back, I decided my brother had just moved to Vancouver in Canada, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go and visit him on the way back and then come home to Australia. And... I went to visit my brother, he just moved, and I got onto the plane afterwards. We had a great time together, and I got onto the plane and I opened my bag, and as my brother always does, because he's such a generous-hearted person, he put some dollars (laughs) into my handbag, and he'd written me a note, and the note was very simple. Lovely having you, or something along those lines. Let's make a pact not to take life so seriously. And at the time, I remember going, oh, that's really sweet. And then he's such a great brother. But it took me a while longer for that lesson to really land and to understand the meaning of it for me. Because we keep ourselves, there's this beautiful quote by Rumi, you know, why do we stay in prison when the doors are wide open? We we are trapped in an invisible prison. We keep ourselves trapped there. And we all do it. And so it's a journey. It took me a couple more decades to be able to stop taking life so seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny how we, we put ourselves in, in these, in, in these situations Mm -hmm. that is like, is really unnecessary. Like we make rules for ourselves that don't need to exist, (laughs) you know, know. kind of thing. (laughs) It's actually as simple as that, isn't it? But it's a little bit less simple getting out of it, but there are ways that we can, but we've got it. It typically has to be a catalyst in our lives for us to really have that hunger to want to make a change. And my catalyst was that, Sunday when I woke up with this terrible pit in my stomach knowing that my career was coming to an inflection point and I had to make some big decisions so yeah I mean typically we do we we wait for that catalyst and when we are hungry enough we take the first step and by the way taking the first step is the most difficult isn't it yeah definitely 
well, yeah, it's like, it's like, why, you know, it's like, why do I want to take these, this, these steps to change that it's going to be painful to change. Um, it's, 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 it's also painful to stay it. the same. <laughs> it's, it's more painful to stay the same, isn't it? It's such yeah. a weird thing. And I think a lot of it uh, comes down to our identity. So we create stories in our lives because of things that have happened to us. In my case, it was my dad passing away when I was nine and my brother was 11. And so when we create those events, we have reactions to their triggers. We, we create beliefs about ourselves, others, the world around us, and we create a story, a narrative about our life that becomes something we deeply identify with. That's why it's difficult to change. But actually, that's not who we really are. That's just our response to an event that has happened. We do have choice, to your point. And in, you know, working at an energetic level, getting into the right energetic state really does help shift one's paradigm, shift one's story in quick, quite quickly. Uh, so it's possible. And it's uh, the, the scariest state for me was staying where I was. I was sick. I wasn't sleeping. That was the worst scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, since, you know, we're, we obviously just talked about how, like, it can be um, painful and hard to change. It, along the way, were there any things, things that you did to make it easier, to make it more fun? on on the journey while you're while you're trying to make things better <laughs> definitely well you see I'm I'm lucky because I've always been a kind of a self-help junkie I've always loved growth learning self-awareness moments of insight that kind of is a very very big motivator for me it's why I went into the field of psychology professionally so that's accessible to me really easily but I will say that we all have that innate desire to grow and to be the best versions of ourselves. We've just got to access that world. For some, it's a little bit more difficult than it was for me. So when I was at that inflection point and I resigned from my job and I was facing into a different reality, I part of me was a little bit excited <laughs> because it was like, okay, here is a, uh, an opportunity to master myself. And what I did was, sorry, my glasses are fogging up because it's so hot in Sydney. Oh <laughs> I'm taking my glasses on and off. Um, it's really hot, yeah. It's boiling hot. It's so humid. Anyway, what I did was, uh, I think we spoke about this when we caught up initially, was I almost gamified my spiritual development journey. I gamified my spiritual growth. So I did a couple of things because I've been working on myself so long. I had had a lot of aha moments and in my journals, I'd actually captured insights, moments of awareness. What I did was I took all of those and there were close to a hundred of them. There was a, and I made a pink card deck. I got pink cardboard and I made like a card deck for myself and each uh, card had a um, a moment that I'd integrated, a moment that I, that had become true for me, that I had energetically embodied, for lack of a better word. And I made this card deck, and then I would um, 
spread it out on my bed every morning. I'd pick, I'd kind of go within, I'd tune in and energetically I'd pick the right card, I'd turn it over and that would become my affirmation for the day. That would become the words that would focus and direct my energy for the day. And I actually looked forward to the morning because I was excited to know what I'd get. And so that was one way that I did it. The other thing that I learned to do for myself, because I'm very much around um, communication, language, use of words is very big for me. And I think it's really important to change your energetic state. What I would do, it was a period of time where, and I actually still do it, where I wake up in the morning and I tune in, what am I feeling? And what's my one word for the day? And that word then becomes how I keep coming back to it. And I go, it's fun because that's where I channel my energy. And it's a game. It's a, a little bit of a game that I play with myself to make it a little bit intriguing, exciting. And I enjoy that. So gamification has been a huge help for me. Yeah, that that I I like uh, finding ways to make like creative ways to make things interesting and different and like, you know, having it be, you know, not just like, oh, I got to I got to do the my, you know, self, you know, my self work or whatever you want to, you know, exactly. Exactly. And one of the other things that's available to all of us, if, if that isn't your thing, is self care. Because we've all got things that we do that lift us up, that we enjoy. And, you know, for me, that's baking. I make really incredible desserts, if I can say so myself. And so I get into the kitchen. I, I start a complex dessert that takes two, three days to make, and it puts me in a state of flow. So that's a very creative process for me. Creative, creativity and fun are very closely linked. So we all have different things that we can do um, to take care of ourselves. And that is something you need to amplify when you're going through a spiritual uh, process, you're going through a growth spurt, is to really amp up self-care. Find the thing that blows your hair back, that makes you feel good. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, isn't that kind of a, a natural, like, like it's, that's a natural energy boost. I'm sure that's like, a you know, helps yes. with energy work to get you into that higher, higher place is just yes. to do those things that you love so much. Exactly. It's, it's what I call, it's a way of changing your energetic state. And it's easy to change your energetic state. It's one way to change your energetic state is behaviorally, which is through acts of self-care, kind of the gamification, that kind of stuff that I spoke about. And so um, it's it's easier and it gets you there really quickly. I mean, other examples are, and this is me, I find being in the sun just lifts me. I happen to live in Australia, so the sun does shine a lot. And so if I'm feeling flat, or exhausted or whatever it is, uh, between meetings, between Zoom calls, I often step outside, go into my garden and just breathe in the sun for a couple of minutes. That's all it takes. And you feel your energetic state change. And there are so many countless examples of how we can do this and how we can change energetic state within minutes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask my guests, how do you define fun? Fun is a 
it's an inner state. It's an inner, it's the part of us, it's our playful child. It's the part of us that we all have access to um, that puts us in a feeling of creativity, flow, um, yeah, and just effortless ease, I guess. You know, when you're having fun, you don't notice time. Uh, so it's a state of flow, I think, if I'm I'm talking out loud now. But I think for me, fun is that innate state that we have that puts us into flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also like to ask people what their play personality. Um, according to like the Institute of Play in the United States, there's eight play personalities. Okay, um, to me. Yeah, so uh, you have the kinesthetic. The competitor, nice. the joker, the creative, the storyteller, the collector, director, and what? Oh, explorer. I think I'm the explorer. Yeah. I was waiting for the one to land. And when you said the last one, it was like, that's it. I was <laughs> going with, <laughs> I think I'm the creative. But I think the two are intricately linked. Um, as I said earlier, the enjoyment that I get from exploring aspects of myself, of helping other people explore aspects of themselves, really does bring a sense of joy and um and lifts me it's my reason for being and so yeah I think I'll go with explorer yeah definitely um yeah and I do think that like creativity and exploration can definitely go go together sometimes for sure yes yeah for sure well it's that I think the thing for me that um connects the two is a mindset of curiosity Mm -hmm. You know, and curiosity is hugely important for exploring and for creativity and therefore for play as well. Yeah. Um, if you were to have a perfect day, what what would happen on your perfect day? My perfect day would be filled with choice. I think that's important for me. So waking up, I think it would be, and for me, choice is about mixing my life up I like to wake up early in the morning hmm. go down to the beach either do a meditation do a mindful walk uh, do an incantation whatever it is that I'm doing to get up early watch the sunrise and be in nature hmm. um, that would probably be followed by a workout I, I love going to the gym also work out outdoors I think Following that, it would be uh, my daily ritual, going to have a cup of coffee and doing a crossword puzzle, <laughs> doing about five of them. <laughs> my late <laughs> grandfather taught me that, keeping my mind sharp, um, doing some work in the morning, coaching, running groups. And then my energy tends to uh, peak at around early afternoon. Um, and so I'd probably spend the rest of the day cooking dinner, um, you know, doing things, being in the kitchen, uh, doing things that um, lift my spirit and having dinner with those I love in the evening. Yeah. Or going out for dinner because I love dining out. I love 
you know, I'm a bit of a foodie as well. So going for a uh, dinner at a new restaurant in Sydney that I haven't been to before, that would be mm. really fun. Yeah. What's what's your favorite kind of food? Or I mean, I, like, top top three. <laughs> well, I'm vegetarian. So okay, <laughs> I don't eat salad. I've been like right since I'm eleven. So I think for me, top three, I've got a sweet tooth. So I think dessert of any kind. If I were to be more specific, I love cake. So a really lovely coconut cake. Oh, as I'm saying that, I'm salivating. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love a good black-white coffee. We take our coffee seriously in Australia. That's really important. And fresh fruit. I think fresh fruit and fresh veggies. A salad. Any call it a salad. That would be my third. When I think of, like, food in Australia, I, I feel like I, I, I think of, like, fruit for some reason. I don't know if it's just because I imagine, like, it being, like, really warm, you know? So it's, like, and, and you're, like, near the water. And, like, then it's, like, yeah. I feel like I feel, it feels tropical. I've never yes. been to Australia, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I live, it's not tropical. It's Sydney. But Sydney in, in Queensland, it's tropical. We've got great pineapples, great mangoes. Our, our summer fruits are incredible. And I have developed a real taste for fresh fruit. I actually bought the last couple of days, I bought for the home uh, just a beautiful thing of crisp, green grapes and they're so they crisp and you bite into them and I've had so much joy eating them mindfully biting into them tasting them feeling the sensation I think that's I love them I love fresh fruit but I also love fresh vegetables raw vegetables I live on salads as well so you know making a really delicious chopped salad um and I always make, you know, my own dips. Like I've always got hummus, my own homemade hummus in the fridge, mixing that up, tahini, whatever. That's how I, that's how I eat. Nice. Um, if you had a dinner party and you just could invite like three, three, three famous people, <laughs> you know, you know this question. Right? <laughs> I know this question. <laughs> Did you want to? <laughs> well actually initially I didn't know it was going to be famous people I thought it was anyone you wanted I would have said my father my late father but that's out of the question um you know I'm very drawn and I don't want to get into politics but I think but the, one of the great leaders was Barack Obama and I'm really drawn I'd actually probably say Barack and Michelle Obama probably the two of them that would take up two guests um I might take a sports person because I'm, you know, I think maybe Roger Federer would be a, you know, the tennis player would be a great. Uh... So let me say, okay, from an intellectual perspective, let me choose Barack Obama. From a physical kind of sport endurance perspective, let me say um, uh, Roger Federer. And from a spiritual growth perspective, Wow, and there's so many who shaped me. Um, I uh, actually, it's really strange. They're not famous, but I would just say a Tibetan monk, someone who has transcended ego. Someone, so maybe it's the Dalai Lama. Maybe it's the Dalai Lama. It's yeah. okay if it's not someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
I, I like that you uh, thought about it in like the different like parts, like, like yeah. what could you learn from certain people kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It would be an interesting mix, right? It would be, but I, I feel like even though they're like, people are coming from different like places, like different, like it's like they have different like strengths. I feel like they could get something from each other, you know, like, yes, there's a lot that like can tie together that's like intellectual and like physical and spiritual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best vacation you've ever taken? Hands down Bali. Mm. Bali. Yeah. And in fact, I, when I tap into a memory that makes me most joyful, it was swimming in the sea in Bali and feeling a sense of such freedom and such joy. Uh, I mean, I've swum in the sea often before, but there was something, there was a quality to the place and swimming in the sea there, just I, I felt a sense of liberation that I can't describe. Yeah. So Bali. Yeah. Mm. Are you more of a dog person or cat person? I am a cat person. I am. Such a great question. Oh, I think, like I've always, I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. I love mm -hmm. dogs, grew up with them. But I always say to my cousin, who's always also a cat person, I get a frisson of excitement when a cat comes up to me, where a cat meows, and I just love it. And I had two of my own incredibly awesome cats they I had to put them down a couple of years ago they were geriatric they must have been a, they were a rescue so I'm not sure exactly how old they were but I think they were about 21 well, ancient well we certainly had them for 20 uh, 20 years um but and they were about 10 months old when we got them so uh yeah they were about 21 and yeah cats definitely cat person yeah I yeah I'm a cat I'm definitely more of a cat person too I have grown to like I like dogs are just like so pure you know and like loving but I'm definitely a cat person I remember going on a um on some like uh it was like a jet boat thing and like the guy's like raise your hand you know who's a cat person I'm the only one to raise my hand I'm like Really? I'm the only cat person here? <laughs> I would have backed you up, sister. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Unapologetic. <laughs> Unapologetic. Absolutely. And they're misunderstood, you know. Cats are really loving. My one cat, Saturn, was very feral when we got her. She used to hiss at humans. And, um, you know, by the end of her life, she was beyond loving so yeah they respond to love like we all do I guess yeah definitely um what's your favorite flavor of ice cream coconut definitely it's funny because I love coconut I've, I think I've already said I love coconut cake Mm -hmm. I don't actually like coconuts to eat. I prefer other fruit, but mm -hmm. I love coconut in dessert. So coconut ice cream, oh, yum. Now you're making me hungry here. <laughs> yeah. When, actually, when I think about it, I don't really like to eat like like chunks of coconut either. Like when you get like yeah. the meat of the coconut, it's not that good, actually. No. It's when you it's add it to good. sugar that it's delicious. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and like shavings of it or, you know, a desiccated coconut. I mean, I sometimes take desiccated coconut, put it in a, uh, on a frying pan and I just dry fry it. And then I'll put it over ice cream or put it over something oh. um, that I'm serving. And it's beyond delicious. Really yum. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, when's the last ask time? Me more. You... Huh? <laughs> no, I was going to say ask me more. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying this. <laughs> when's the last time you laughed so hard that it hurt? Sure. I had a laugh with a colleague of mine. Don't know. It was. It wasn't like. I mean, I think I, I'm sure I've laughed so hard it hurts since then. <laughs> but there was an example that just always just you know reminds me of it. We um, we used to play around a lot. We had a really joking relationship, and well, we still do. And um, we were doing a remote interview. We were both in the office together. And we were interviewing this guy who was in a different city to potentially be part of a coaching panel for this coaching program that we were running. And I don't know what she said, but it got me into that state of uncontrollable after where it becomes painful because we had somebody on the other side. And a third colleague of mine was, I'm actually laughing, third colleague of mine was also in the room. So... My primary colleague who started everything couldn't contain herself and walked out the room. I was left like leading the interview choking and the guy on the other side was of course taking it really seriously and we were trying to take it seriously. I couldn't hold it in. I left the room. We left our third colleague <laughs> alone <laughs> to run the show. So so that was a standout one where, um, where and it always happens in those moments where it's, inappropriate yeah you know, where <laughs> I had one when I was running a workshop and it was on day two of the workshop we work uh we go into storytelling and um I was co-facilitating with two other facilitators and I uh this woman there was something in she was telling a really tragic story actually but I, I started stifling laughter it was the most painful experience and I was the lead facilitator at that time and I had to get up and go I I don't know what it was I I think one of my other facilitators looked at me and kind of gave me some facial gesture and I I was out of there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so for me those moments of hysterical laughing often take place when I got to actually stifle it, which I think is an interesting phenomenon, don't you? <laughs> yeah, no, sure. it's like, it's like, why does this keep happening? Exactly, yeah. exactly. It, I mean, obviously, you can't just like start laughing and while this lady's no, like, sorry. No. and the more you try and stifle a laughter, the more you feel the need to let laugh. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's yeah. not going anywhere unless you release it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, what's something that makes you feel luxurious? Having a hot bath hmm. after a long day. I don't do it in summer. <laughs> it's no. really hot here, but it's a winter thing. I feel such a sense of being held. Yeah, hmm. having a, a running a long hot bath. 
Yeah. There is something about like how water, like water and how it like can like, like hold you in a way that nothing can, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, actually water is an element that conducts energy. So if you're feeling mm. tired, it takes the energy from you and, you know, it lifts you up. If you're feeling stressed, it releases that. So it's, uh, I think that's why it's, uh, it's very much, it changes your energetic state, which mm. I love. So I find that a, something I love to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about let's do some word association. Right. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of when you think of fire? Transmute alchemy. Alchemy. Um summer. Happiness. Flowers. Scent. I can smell. I can actually my I can smell it, yeah. Scent, aroma. Yeah. Do you have do you have a favorite kind of flower? I love roses. Um coffee. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean. Gentle. Mm. Travel. Fun. Music. Energizing. Mm. Pineapple. I was going to say delicious, but I said that. Tingling. Yeah, so it tastes like tingling. Yeah, it does have like a yeah um forest peace actually calm the word calm comes to mind home heart money freedom <laughs> um the universe loving what is your favorite holiday well it's not a religious holiday but it's more summertime you know I always get away in summer and there's so much more to do in summer. You know, I'm very outdoorsy. I'm very into the natural elements. And so summer takes me into those places. So I would say summer holiday. Mm -hmm. Like If you say to me, like, would you prefer being at a resort in a beach down in Fiji or going for a skiing holiday? It's like Fiji hands down. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm very much more of a summer person. And like, yeah, I actually get like kind of seasonal affective disorder a little bit in the winter, because especially because it gets really gray around here. 
Yeah. And so like once like spring is coming, I feel like so like energized because it's just like it's getting warm and everything is like waking up. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know. There's something about summer that you just feel kind of like so alive. You yes. feel so much more like limitless, like anything is possible. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what summer does for me? I know it's not related to your question, but you know, our lives are seasonal right everything is seasonal and our moods are seasonal when we're in a downward funk we know that the next season is going to pull us out of there summer is alive with possibilities actually and so for me that is why it changes my energetic state so much things open up like my garden looks different in summer than it does in winter uh it opens things up and that's I think why I love it so much and that's why I love traveling at that time yeah definitely I feel so much I feel the same (laughs) completely (laughs) what is the best way for you to spend fifty (laughs) dollars uh I giving it to an animal charity honestly I mean that like that to me is I get such a sense of purpose in that you know to an animal shelter Um, not so long ago somebody on our local Facebook page and the community Facebook page who she rescues cats actually um, said I need help I've got you know all these cats I'm trying to feed them and I went out and I spent more than $50, but bought food and put, and just, you know, a cat litter and everything, put it on her, her doorstep and drove away in a very elevated energetic state. So I think giving to to animal charity that, you know, an animal cause is the best way for me to spend $50. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that, that can, like, do a lot like quite a bit like right like you can get quite a bit of animal food you can feed them for quite a few days with 50 bucks yeah exactly exactly yeah which i you know yeah like there's not you probably can't get like the same kind of return on like spending 50 dollars on something something else yeah (laughs) no and I was thinking up when you asked what are the things I love and I love animals Mm -hmm. um I also love eating out I love going to new restaurants but for 50 dollars like in Sydney you can't buy much you can't buy a really nice meal yeah so um yeah so I think I think it was going to be animals hands down for sure (laughs) I I I I I I got what you were putting down, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> Are you? Do you like traveling by more by plane or by car? Well, I hate air travel, but it takes me to pretty exotic destinations. It also takes me to family who live far, like my mm-hmm. brother, for example. So I would say plane, and actually. Once I get over, because everything's far in Australia, everything. Like yeah. to get to Los Angeles is like a 14-hour flight. To get to Vancouver, 16 hours. To get to London is 20 hours. Um, when you get onto a plane, I, I'm always amazed. Like you're transported into a parallel, a different universe. When you get there, it's so culturally different that I think, yeah, plane travel anytime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the act of 
driving in a car more like I like like I like taking like a little road trip like you look yes. around and blah, blah, blah. like yes. it's a lot more enter like entertaining the act of being in a car I hate flying also but yeah it's where it takes you I think it's like I know they say it's not the it's the journey not the destination but in this case I guess I'm answering the question from the perspective <laughs> of destination it is the destination <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a terrible like 16 hours. But it's good like like where you're going is going to like change your life, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's right. I had a trip to Colorado, USA in September last year. It was hellish, especially the return trip because you've got to fly into Los Angeles. Then it was such a small town in Colorado, you have to fly into another hub. So I had to fly into Dallas, Fort Worth. And by the time you get, and then you get to the airport and then you've got to get into a car and drive to the resort. And But it changed my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I'd do it again. Yeah, for sure. What is, like, what are, what would you say is, like, the top three best things about living in Australia and like the three worst things like because I'm 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 very much I I'm ashamed to say I'm very much like Americans then like my I see I see what happens in America and I'm like America's so great in all these ways um and then it's also like terrible in all these ways and so like I'm just curious like in Australia I know this has nothing to do with fun in Australia like what what is like the view of like, this is what's working, this is what's not working. <laughs> so let me start with what's not working because I always like to end on a high. Yeah. The thing that I absolutely, and I'm just going to use the word hate about living in Australia are the creepy crawlies. Like I have a serious phobia of spiders and we get major spiders. Like the huntsman. Spiders. Yes, huntsman. It's exactly what they are. There was one in the bedroom about six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, and it was, and then we couldn't find like it was no one could find it. Even the fumigate, no one could find it. So I would say spiders and creepy crawlies, but spiders specifically. I would say the other thing is uh, that we're at the epicenter of climate change. So our climate is very intense, and the summers are hot, 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 and you know. Five, six years ago, we had all those terrible bushfires. So Mm. that I don't like. Um, And I think there's another part of Australia that I always uh, struggle with. Australians are quite phlegmatic. They don't really go deep, you know, Mm. generally speaking. It's like, oh, you'll be all right, mate. And I sometimes miss the emotional intensity, you know, that I look Mm. for. So those would be the three things that uh, I don't like about it, things I love about it written down um i actually like that it's a small country you know you can be a big fish in a small pond and you know america felt you know, always feel anonymous there in australia it feels contained the other thing i love about australia is the lifestyle it's truly like it's it's manageable beaches weather i just love that and the other thing i like about it is it's an egalitarian society so there's a really big middle class here in australia so you know that the person who's mowing your lawn or coming in to clean your house 
has probably got a roof over their head and mm -hmm. is living a decent middle-class life. So I like the egalitarian nature of Australia. Yeah, that's like one of the things that's like um, a problem in the United States is that yeah. there's a lot of poverty. Um, it's it's gotten really awful. <laughs> like, yeah, those yeah. the middle class is shrinking, and the amount of poverty is just like astounding. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> It's in Australia, you, you live with less guilt. You live, huh? with less, you, you live with less guilt. Guilt, and I actually was born and grew up as a child in South Africa. So oh, okay. yeah, so that's very much divided amongst the haves and the have-nots. And I'm acutely aware of this particular phenomenon because, you know, I know that the state actually takes care of its people. It's good. It's good that, thing. That is great. Yeah, that's really great. But it does mean that, you know, the cost of having somebody to come and clean your house, it's really expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. Um, the cost of living, you know, but but it means everyone's got a fair go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, uh, like, around here, I would say, like, there's a lot of things that are definitely expensive. But it's just, like, it's not, like, it's not benefiting everyone. Yes. It's not yes. being spread, like, give like yes. spread out to everyone yeah right well well we've got medicare for example where every every australian citizen has access to basic medical care medical aid you may need to go to a public hospital but it's there for you and it doesn't cost much in fact it costs very little mm -hmm. whereas in, in america like the cost of healthcare is just prohibitive for so many people mm -hmm. yeah yeah it really is yeah all right let's do a couple of would you rather Oh my god, I can't believe you said that because I was playing Would You Rather with one of the guys at the coffee shop this morning in a, in a bit of a lewd way. But and I said to him, I'm the queen of Would You Rather. Ask me, go ahead. Nice. Okay, okay. would you rather do a polar bear dip or walk across hot coals? Polar bear dip. Both of them sound very intense. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh would you rather would you rather have um free I don't know free ice cream for a year or let's have something else that's good. Free well you you said you like cake too. Free cake for a year. I wish I was hoping you'd give me a healthier option because I would have chosen the healthier option. I've actually stopped eating so much sugar in the last oh. six months. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, um, but if I had to eat sugar, I'd say ice cream because it's darn hot in Australia and yeah, I, it would allow me to cool down. Hmm. Would you rather go to Antarctica? Or take a trip in a submarine. Oh no, Antarctica! Don't put me. I feel immediately a sense of claustrophobia when you speak about a submarine. Antarctica, definitely. Would you rather sense go? Huh? Yeah. No, I was just saying it's a sense of expansiveness versus constriction. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. No. A, yeah, a submarine actually sounds um, terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would, yeah. Oh, gosh. would you rather ask it for some reason don't my censor my yourself my brain goes into like these like these like places that you're just like oh that sounds terrible no um do it do it I'm happy I'm happy I can take it because I dish it out all the time would you rather um lose a fingernail or get a needle stuck in your eye lose <laughs> a fingernail You mean permanently lose? No, oh no, the thought of getting something stuck in my eye. No, lose a fingernail, they regenerate. And I've done that. I remember many years ago closing my finger in a really heavy, uh, it was like one of those two-door Mercedes and a heavy cars, and the person drove off with my finger stuck in it. And so, yeah, yeah, with, within like a day, my fingernail was gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I lost a toenail once. I dropped a sewing machine on it. Um Ouch. it, it did come back. Yes, it hurts. <laughs> um I although it's funny, like I like I know people have had like cataract surgery, which sounds awful. Um, but you know, they get needles stuck in their eyes and they're okay. Like it's not like a permanent thing. Oh uh, No, yeah, it's not our permanent. bodies, our bodies can handle a lot of weird things. Um, yeah. Okay, one more, because Okay. we're at the hour mark. Um, would you rather lose a tooth? And it's a, it could be a back tooth. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> can it be okay. a back tooth? That was going to be my question. Yeah. <laughs> or. <laughs> Or uh, like sm smash your finger in a in a door again, like you did before. That's actually an interesting one because both of those can be temporary. I mean, you can have a tooth fold or it can actually can't find this one a really a difficult one to answer. I have no preference. Maybe that's what it is. Like I'm not moved either way, which is interesting. So I'll smash my finger in the door and get over the pain. <laughs> and on that really painful note. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, like when you do like would you rather <laughs> like so often like it's like pain and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible things to happen to you. I know. Like I know, I know, but we actually can play it with fun stuff as well. Like, would you rather eat cake or ice cream for, you know, a year? Yeah. Ice cream. Well, I, well yeah, it's not you know <laughs> only eating cake and ice cream for a year. <laughs> well, you get free um, But it's free. uh, uh, coupons You're going for to want to eat it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. you get sick of it if it was always available, though. Well, you would, you totally would. And I think that's the point, like happiness, joy, peace. It's all about balance, isn't it? Because too much of everything, even too much fun can become too much. Yeah. You know, you've got to temper everything with the opposite state. And that brings that equanimity and joy to our lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I, it I was actually fun. was like kind of in a not a great mood today. So like this conversation like like brought me up so much. I feel so much better now. So thank you for talking to me. You're Um, so welcome. I Thank you really for having appreciate me. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can the audience find you? Well, I think they can primarily find me on Instagram, um, you know, Gabrielle.pimstone. I do have a 
a Facebook page, but I'm not so active on there. Otherwise, they can visit my website. I'll probably I'll give you a link in the show notes yeah. and get a sense more of the kind of work that I do. And there's an option to, you know, reach out to me there, even if it's just for a free 30-minute chat, we can do that. So, yeah, that might be a good idea as well. So my website or Instagram. All right. Yeah, I definitely will put those in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on. And I, yeah, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Have a good day. You too.